The Big Fight Weekend Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is brought to you by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is your home to free daily video picks from the SGPN. It's like YouTube for sports gambling. And make sure that you subscribe to our profile at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. We're also brought to you in part by Roman. Roman is the straightforward way to take care of your ED. Get Roman.com slash SGP. Get you $15 off your first month. That's GetRoman.com slash SGP. We're also brought to you in part by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is your home to the Best Ball Mania 2 contest where you can win a million dollars. That's right, a million bucks. Sign up now at underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. Indeed, we got a brand new month of May. Ring the bell and get ready for one of the top names in the sport, Canelo Alvarez, in action coming on Saturday night. DAZN streaming will have it here in North America. DAZN also in the UK, depending on wherever else you're hearing us worldwide. Check your listing for whether DAZN has the fight there, etc. They should. It will be at AT&T Stadium, Arlington, Texas. Some 65,000 or more will be on hand uh, for this bout. And the home of the Dallas Cowboys is Alvarez, obviously the Mexican hero, the four-division world champion, puts his unified super middleweight championships on the line against unbeaten WBO 168-pound champ. Billy Joe Saunders, Canelo looking for a third world title in that division, looking to ultimately be undisputed champ. He's got to beat the IBF title holder, Caleb Plant, later for that. Saunders, the opponent now, right in front of him for this weekend out of England, is not a big puncher. So we're going to talk a lot about that during this fight as we bring you in on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Got great guests coming up, including David Payne back with us, the boxing writer from England to give us some insight. That's straight ahead. Sergio Mora, who's on the call on the DAZN broadcast, the Latin Snake, the former uh, middleweight uh, contender, won the Contender Reality Series back in the early 2000s. Love his insight as the analyst on DAZN. He is there in Arlington, Texas, and ready to call this fight with Todd Grisham and Chris Mannix on DAZN on the North American feed. Look forward to hearing what Sergio has to say about this bout. And then Marquise John, senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com, is along to close the show. The news of the week, the horrible stuff out of Puerto Rico with lightweight contender Felix Verdejo facing kidnapping and murder charges in the death of his girlfriend. We'll talk about that with Marquise. We'll talk the other news of the week uh, as well, uh, including is this Tyson Fury-Anthony Joshua fight ever going to get made? It's always next week, next week, next week with Eddie Hearn, the matchroom uh, promoter of this. They're they're hoping, they're expecting there's going to be a Saturday night announcement for uh, this Tyson Fury-Anthony Joshua uh, undisputed 
uh, heavyweight championship fight. If it's not Saturday night, folks, that's the clearest indication one final time. It's not happening for later this summer. They don't have the money. Anyway, David Payne will talk about it straight ahead. And we've been talking about it a bunch and writing about it a bunch on BigFightWeekend.com. By the way, as a means of promotion, make sure that you subscribe to this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, however you found out about us. If you found us on a social media link, if you found us through the Sports Gambling Podcast website, SportsGamblingPodcast.com, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We come to you on Fridays in the preview mode, always out with a new episode uh, in the preview mode for the weekend. And so you'll get the automatic notification whenever the new episode is out. If you subscribe, we encourage you to do so. Thank you to the thousands of you that found us in April. Continue to do so. Continue to subscribe. Rate us and review us. That helps us as well. I love our relationship with Sean Green, Ryan Kramer, and the Sports Gambling Podcast. We'll have some predictions on some odds, uh, et cetera, on the Canelo fight uh, a little bit later on with Marquise when he is with me. Uh, All right, so let's get to all of it. Uh, A lot on Alvarez versus Saunders. Canelo, one of the top draws in the sport, fighting for the third time in five months. We're ready to talk about that with David Payne. Sergio Mora later on in the podcast. Marquise Johns closing us out as we get rolling right now. As promised, it has been far too long. Cannot get enough of this man and his insight from his own site, boxingwriter.co.uk. David Payne, a.k.a. The Boxing Writer on Twitter. Uh, Love his perspective, and we have much to discuss, including Canelo and Billy Joe Saunders, as that will happen as the main event, AT&T Stadium, Arlington, Texas. No, David does not have a 10-gallon hat, his boots, his spurs, his six-shooter like a cowboy in the U.S. of A., but he's still ready for this nonetheless. Uh, Always good to have you here on the podcast and on the show, but especially on circumstances like this. You doing all right, my friend? I'm pretty good, TJ. Thanks for inviting me along. I did once have um, a, a holster with guns and six shooters, but I think it was only three or four at the time. And they, yeah. they, only, they only shot potatoes or oh, potatoes or tin cans. Yeah. Well, the Texans uh, still act like they're three or four and still have them all. The hats, <laughs> the, the the ten gallon hat, the five pound belt buckle. I'm stereotyping, but it's it's only half of them that have that. Um, all right, we'll get into Canelo and Billy Joe Saunders, but you're such a great resource on all these things, such great perspective. The Tyson Fury-Anthony Joshua fight, the saga has gone on for weeks about will it happen or not. Eddie Hearn has perpetually, the promoter, Eddie Hearn perpetually, has said, next week I'll have an announcement. Next week I'll have an announcement. N- next week we'll have an announcement. Uh, David, at this point from over there, is now the British boxing fan almost concerned and eyes glazed over that this is not going to happen later this year? Or is there some optimism that that fight will happen? Give me give me your uh, your take. I think um, there's an element of which side of the bed have you got out of today, which I don't know if that translates to American, but... It's the glass half full, glass half empty kind of scenario. Um, there's an awful lot of money on the table. It's hard to imagine they're ever going to walk away from it or, or risk putting it off and fighting other people. But again, that's that's a that's a conversation we've been around before. I think Eddie Hearns, he's a glass half full kind of guy, isn't he? That's the nature of being a promoter and a successful one um, is that you need to to be positive. And I think he, when, when, if and when it does occur, he wants to be seen as the energy that was behind it rather than the one pouring cold water on it like Bob Arum has been in the last couple of weeks. Um, but I, th- I think there is a bit of a malaise about on the interest. There's a little bit of a, 
down funk, if you like, about the interest in the fight because, as you say, it's become repetitive. It's become a bit of a loop. We want to get excited about it and be looking forward to it and not still be discussing about whether something has been signed, hasn't been signed, venue, non-venue. You know, it is a complicated time. It's the biggest prize fight out there. So it's not going to be easy. These things weren't easy in the olden days, were they? Sometimes we we, we can reminisce with uh, rose-coloured glasses about it. They weren't always straightforward to get these in place before. Um, but I have almost reached the point where I this part of me would just be happy if Fury fought someone else in June and Joshua fought someone else in July. And we have a date that's definite for November or December. That would I, I would accept that right now on that point fury is in the united states has been in the united states for at least a month is training in las vegas my belief and from talking to some people here marquise and i have been talking about this is the longer this goes two weeks ago last week now this week that's the inevitable thing here he's going to fight someone at the lower ranked level probably in july in the united states uh, just because Eddie Hearn can't come up with the massive guarantee, and this is something that has been talked about for two months because they don't know if they can have fans or how many of them to help offset the cost. So buy some time, let Fury fight somebody because he's been inactive, and I know you're nodding along with me, and I'm saying this to the audience also. Fury's been inactive now for 14 months. At least Joshua fought back in December, five months ago. If you're Fury, you want to get in there real quick, David, before we move on to Canelo and Saunders. Absolutely. And uh, and I think that everything that's rumbled in Tyson's past, I think we'd probably all like to see him box and not get stuck in another long, drawn-out period of inactivity. He seems in good shape. He seems in good humour. He seems his usual self. And it's good to see him training and having a camp in America. So, but like you, I'm beginning to feel inclined that there might be a matchup made um, because the, the Joshua Fury fight, you could argue, doesn't need selling. But by the same token, these are two Brits. Um, so American audience is a big part of the pay-per-view. Um, they need to be seen, don't they? And we've talked about that many times. Fighters who box are in a scene become household names and they're an easy sell. Fighters that fight once every 18 months, it's, you have to re-energise re the narrative, etc. So there is part of me that is increasingly, I just want to see Tyson Fury fight someone, um, which might seem like a bit of a sellout, but that's having said so many times before, let the top guys fight the top guys. But this inaction is just so boring. It's just but there's other there's other factors to your point. There's other factors that are keeping the two of them from being able to fight and have kept them from being able to fight this summer to this point. Um, and so now we'll see what happens with Fury and Joshua on the point about activity and frequency. Great segue as we talk with David Payne, a.k.a. the boxing writer here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Canelo Alvarez will step through the ropes for the third time in just over five months. Uh, as he gets ready to fight Billy Joe Saunders uh, Saturday night, that will be at AT&T Stadium. David, we're being told 60,000 guaranteed, probably north of 65,000 fans that will be in attendance. It will be the largest attended event post-pandemic anywhere in the sports world to this point. There will be some bigger events, obviously, later this year, particularly if they have the Joshua Fury fight at an outdoor stadium somewhere. That could have a bigger uh, crowd and there's some other events uh, worldwide that maybe could but for right now this is the biggest event give me the temperature now as we're within days of this happening at the time that you and I are talking within a couple of days of this happening 
how much is the anticipation on the British and the UK in for Saunders uh, fighting here in the United States against Canelo Alvarez? Um, I think he's broke through a little bit because Canelo is starting to break through a little bit to the UK sports fans. So beyond the boxing world, it's a name that's um, becoming known because he has fought a lot of Brits for one thing. And he's active, as we've said, you know, he's been a, he's been a Saturday night staple now for, for three times and as it will be three times in five, or six months. And, um, and I think that's to be applauded, you know, and it just shows you what is possible when these guys um, park some of this narrative about needing 16 week camps and, you know, a four month cycle of strength and conditioning before they can hit a bag and all that kind of stuff. And I sound like an old rock from a prehistoric age. I appreciate, but I like sounding <laughs> like a rock from a prehistoric age sometimes. Um, but they can fight more than once a year. They can fight more than two, twice a year. And Canelo has been doing it at a high level. He's not fighting complete patsies. All right. The last one, perhaps, Yep. Um, but the Saunders, Smith, if he goes on to fight um, Plant as well this year, that's that's as good as it gets at 168. So it has started to break through and Canelo deserves a lot of credit for his part in that. Saunders is mostly bad press in the UK. As you know, he behaves like an idiot at times, despite the fact <laughs> he's a father. Um, he's 30 odd years old. He's been around the game a long time. But by the same token, it keeps his name. His name keeps popping up, keeps cycling um, through news, through stupidity on Twitter and whatever else that he does. Um, but none of that should detract from the fact that he can box. This this kid can box. Um, he will not have one ounce of fear in him going into this ring, which doesn't mean he's going to walk into the middle and have a firefight with Canelo because he'd be foolish to do so. Um, but he can box and he will be fearless in, in trying to get the win. And, and he won't be overwhelmed by the 60,000 crowd. He won't be overwhelmed by fighting in America, I'm sure, because it's just not in his genes. It's not in his makeup. It's not in the people that he's from to be intimidated by that kind of situation. So um, I'm excited by the fight, but I can't quite bring myself to believe that Saunders can pull it off for two or three different reasons. And one of them, a segue back to our previous conversation, is the inactivity, the, le the level of opposition that he's fought over the last two or three years. I appreciate not entirely his fault because of the pandemic. Canelo's managed it, but it's been different circumstances in the States to here. Um, and you can pick out his two or three best wins, which are all very credible, good, good solid wins, but they're spread out over five, six years. And there just, they just isn't, there just isn't the, um, there hasn't been the opposition to really chisel those skills and, and give you the faith that he's going to be able to deliver it over 12 rounds and, and win rounds, win seven rounds and, and make it happen um, because he's going to have to be clear winners in rounds to get the nod. I don't, don't want to um, throw slanderous comments about American judges favouring Canelo, but as we all know, common sense tells you he's the money in the fight. A narrow, a narrow fight either way is going to go his way. Um, and, and Saunders doesn't bring the popularity, doesn't bring that kind of um, thing behind him. And he's fighting as the away fighter. So it's going to be very difficult for him to get the nod, even if he performs well. He's going to have to the win. Joke, the joke, the punchline is he's got to get the knockout to get the 12-round decision. That's been the punchline that's well, been going probably, around. Probably to, get the, to probably to get the draw. To bury him <laughs> or, the cameras, to get the probably. draw. Yeah. Very nice on that. I know I'll only have you for a few more moments. Uh, there was controversy earlier in the week about the size of the ring. The ring was supposed to be an 18-by-18 18 18 ring. Uh, it's allegedly going to be a little bigger. Certainly some of that is gamesmanship. 
Uh, Saunders trying to get under the skin of Canelo, that's not going to work. But I I hear it in your analysis just then, reinforce it here. The The best hope for him to last rounds and a lot of rounds is to use the ring and to use movement. And if he's not able to, and Canelo tracks him down, and Canelo's able to frequently trap him, ropes, corner, whatever, big, big trouble, right? Yeah, it's big. It's big trouble for Saunders because I'm, I maintain he's probably be- at his best as a middleweight. But um, he's grown into the super middleweight division. But Canelo's shown he can hold a shot at light heavy, and he can hurt light heavyweights and good super middleweights, and which um, which Saunders hasn't shown. So the, there's definitely the favouring of power. So if the, the the ring size is key, and it you know it takes us back to some of those old debates in the past doesn't it about um Hagler and Leonard and all those kind of things about what size the ring's going to be and like you we've seen some of the jokes here that you know he he could have a ring the size of Mexico it's not going to make much difference <laughs> but in elite sport TJ margins are small aren't they and we are talking about elite sport here so margins are small and Saunders like his very close friend uh, Fury, so we're linking these two guys again. Um, he knows the wrinkles. He knows about these things, about setting the apple cart slightly, showing that he's not going to be pushed around, showing that you know mentally he'll he'll try anything. Let's just find an edge, just find a a one percent. Let's just find something. As we remember when Fury went to Germany to fight Klitschko, and Klitschko had all these old tricks of a mattress under the to stop Fury being able to move. And that was, well, we'll go home. We don't care. And I saw some of the, the cut from a different cloth that people like, uh, you know, Saunders Fury. And um, I'm not surprised that they've been pulling some, try, attempting some mind games, but also showing we're not going to be pushed around. So who knows how important it will be. There will be those that will say it won't matter. And there will be those that say it could be the key difference. Who knows? All right. And then just one more. You briefly touched on this. Uh, I I talk about this in all facets of sports, especially over here in America, in college sports. When you get to the biggest stage and you get to the biggest event and there are 60, 70, 90,000 at a lot of our events, they have what I refer to as the oh, my God moment. And you can insert another version of that if you like. I don't care what Billy Joe Saunders has fought in in England or what he thinks he knows about what this is going to be like, but there's going to have to be that moment where he comes down for the walk, where he steps through the ring, where they strike up the mariachi bands and whatever for Canelo, and he stands around and looks at 60,000-plus, not unlike, I'm going to put a smile on your face, joking like Rocky fighting Drago in Rocky IV, and you're looking around going, oh, my God, I'm really here, even though that's a fictional movie. Billy Joe's going to have that moment, and and at least early on, how he handles that moment, the crowd roaring for whatever Canelo does at the beginning of the fight, that that's going to be a key for how long he lasts, I believe, as well. Just finish up on that point, if you would. Well, I, I'll, I'll I suppose it's a devil's advocate kind of position, but it's a it's a thing that I've I've held about Billy Joe for a while. Um, despite my comments about not quite feeling like I can tag him to win. Um, I think this is the kind of contest that Billy Joe Saunders has needed and his best performances have been when he's fought the highest calibre opponents on his record. When he's fought people down the pecking order, he's been dreadful. Unmotivated, poorly prepared. But when he's fought Andy Lee, when he's fought Christian Eubank Jr., they're good wins. I mean, the Andy Lee win is a very, very good win. A hell of a tough guy. We are adding in an extra factor here, but I think there's a bit of that kind of Eubank mentality as well. Everyone's against me. It's me in the corner. 
don't care how many and and I think he will actually be motivated by that. I think he'll be turned on by it for want of a better phrase. I think he's he's excited about the prospect. He seems to be in fabulous shape. He's done a 10-week camp, again, contradicting how how long a camp needs to be, but he's done the hard miles. He's been based in America, he's done most of his camp over there. And I think it might bring out the best of him. And it's obviously going to need to, because this is his zenith. Whatever happens, it will be very difficult for him to ever get back to this kind of level of a shot for him ever to get back to a test of how good am I? I've beaten these guys. I can't be bothered with these guys, but here I have the ultimate test of how good I am. I'm still in my prime. The ultimate measure to take into his retirement, one way or the other, at whatever point that is. Um, so I think he will actually grow into to this um, opportunity, uh, TJ. We will never know until, as you say, the band strikes up. The enormity of it is presented to him. But I actually think, as far as I can know, his personality from 10 years of following him, that this will, this will be, he will love this. He will relish it. And he will relish the opportunity to, to put it all out there. That's why I love this man's perspective and his take on everything boxing, but in, in specific, what's going on in the UK game plan scouting report. Read him at boxingwriter.co.uk. When he allows us, we repurpose some of his stuff on the Big Fight Weekend website. David Payne is the boxing writer on Twitter as well. My friend, it is great to have you in the preview mode with whatever happens with Canelo and Billy Joe Saunders. We look forward to one of the fights with one of the fighters that we're going to remember at least, we believe, for 2021 with what happens one way or the other on Saturday night. Let's hope we get a good one. David, thank you. I appreciate the time. I know you're busy. We appreciate the perspective. Keep rocking along. We love having you on the Big Fight Weekend podcast, sir. I love being on. Thanks for inviting me, TJ, and I'll catch you next time. Coming up shortly, Sergio Mora, who will be on the DAZN call of Canelo and Saunders, is with us. Marquise Johns, senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com, also coming up with analysis on Canelo, Saunders, and much more as the Big Fight Weekend podcast does continue. But first, we're brought to you by our friends at WinBet, bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, sports, and games. Generous promos, odds, and parlays are happening right now at WinBet. Get started today. You'll receive a special offer for up to $500 risk-free on a sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at winbet.com. And download the app today. Again, that's wynnbet.com. And we're also brought to you in part by Roman. Look, nobody's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three-putt with the tournament on the line. So you feel like you've come up short in the bedroom sometimes. It's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are also options. You can go to GetRoman.com SGP and find out more about ED. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation, ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional works with you, finds out the best treatment. If medication is appropriate, it'll ship out to you for free with two-day shipping. You get started by simply going to GetRoman.com SGP and get an online visit set up. Again, go to GetRoman.com SGP now. Get $15 off your first month. There's no straightforward way to take care of ED, but if you go to GetRoman.com SGP, you can get started now and save $15 off your first month of treatment with Roman. 
We're also brought to you in part by Better Than Vegas. It's like YouTube, but for what DGNs only care about, and that is sports betting. We're giving away free daily video picks on our Better Than Vegas profile page, and Better Than Vegas is always running a ton of free contests as well. They've got a bunch of free picks and handicappers to check out. Make sure you subscribe to our profile and don't miss a pick at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. And we're brought to you in part by Underdog Fantasy. If you haven't played on Underdog Fantasy, you have to check out their fantasy best ball tournaments, which are some of the best around, including Best Ball Mania 2. That tournament going on right now with your shot at a million dollars. Plus, you can play a number of games involving parlayed player props for MLB, the NBA, and more. And they have a special NBA playoffs best ball tournament coming up as well. Just go to underdogfantasy.com, use our promo code SGPN, and don't forget to enter the Best Ball Mania 2 tournament right now for your chance at a million dollars. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. We're back on Big Fight Weekend now. Here's your host, TJ Reeves. And we do roll on. It is the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. I am thrilled to get the opportunity to get the guy that will be on the call as one of the broadcasters, the analyst for DAZN and their coverage of Canelo Alvarez and Billy Joe Saunders AT&T Stadium on Saturday night. Sergio Mora, the Latin Snake, is back with us. He's accommodating me because he's a busy guy. He's trying to get dinner. Uh, he's he's uh, there on scene. Thank you, first of all. And what is this scene like right now, now that you've gotten in and around Dallas-Fort Worth and the anticipation is building, Sergio? No, well, the scene is great. And this hotel that they're, we're staying at, it's uh, across the street from the actual stadium. I think it's called Live at Something. Beautiful, beautiful place. We, every view is, has the look of the stadium. They've been treating us incredible. I mean, I can't wait for the press conference tomorrow to see what kind of passionate fans we have coming out. Yeah, at the time that we're taping, they're anticipating some 5,000 at least that will be there for the weigh-ins, um, et cetera. I don't know if you've been inside of Jerry's World. I've been there for football. I've been there for a couple of other events. It is just so massive, Sergio. And they're talking about 65,000, maybe more, Give us an idea of what you think this will be like Saturday night in terms of atmosphere and crowd. Well, I can give you a perfect example because I commentated at Wembley Arena with Anthony Johnson. It was about 70,000, so I got a good glimpse of how you know these British stadiums get full so much. So across, across over here in the Atlantic, we're only going to get 15,000, 20,000 max. Over here, 70,000, it's crazy. It, it really is. You can hear like echoes. And um, it's going to be electric. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Uh, All right, a lot is being made of the ring, and you fought at the highest level for the size of the ring. You fought at the highest level for a long time. What's the big deal for the audience here? Is it really that big of a deal if the ring is 18 by 18 versus 20 by 20 or 22 by 22? Is this just overblown, Sergio? Oh, no, no way, no way. Uh, on the contender, I fought in an 18-foot ring, and they forced us to fight. That's why every fight was competitive. Now, anytime you get a 20-foot ring, believe it or not, those, those two feet make a huge difference. Just like two ounces makes a huge difference for boxing gloves, going from 8 to 10 ounces. Um, so, yeah, and then he wanted one in between 24 and 24. He ended up getting 22, but it makes a huge difference, especially when 
you're you're a, a complete boxer. You're not you're not a, a puncher. You're gonna use every inch of that. Voice of Sergio Mora. He will be on the call as the analyst there on the zone with Todd Grisham, with Chris Mannix, and everybody on the broadcast of Canelo and Billy Joe Saunders Saturday night on the zone. He's gracious to give us a few more moments here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. My joke, Sergio, that I've been using is they could fight this in one of the end zones at AT&T Stadium, and it's not going to matter for Canelo. I mean, the Cowboys didn't use the end zone very much last year. They had a bad season. So if you want to have the fight in the end zone, Canelo's still going to find a way to track him down. That's my joke. Uh, for the night. It, uh, let me put it this way. If Billy Joe Saunders is going to hang in, you've been watching his fight, scouting him. How does he hang in? How does he keep this competitive and give himself a chance? What has to happen? He has to stay away from the end zone. DJ, he, has to, like, he has to sprint the entire field. He has to go in circles, not stay in place, not fight in the, in, not fight in the inside with this man right now. Stay on the outside. Uh, against the perimeter. Sorry, uh, Carl, Carl Frost is passing by my, my dinner table over here, and, he, <laughs> and he's saying, uh, and I, I go, join us for dinner, Carl. It's, it's, especially if Carl will pick up part of the tab or all of the tab, have him come over for dinner, no, yes. No, 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 we're, we're, just, uh, we're just sitting down at, at dinner right now, but it's, it's funny. It, um, I, I'm sorry, TJ, I got... It's okay. If if Saunders, besides just he's got to use lateral movement, he's got to use hand speed, he's got to use the jab as the southpaw, right? If he has any hope of keeping Canelo off of him, right? Yeah, no, and and a long jab, it definitely keeping the fight in the middle of the ring, staying off the ropes. You know, these are all the things you hear uh, a lot of fighters say often, but it's very difficult to do, especially with a fighter like Canelo, who's an expert at cutting off the ring and and putting that consistent pressure. Um, very hard to do. So that's where those two feet make a huge difference. Again, just a couple of moments left here. I, I have been saying this building up to the fight. You've lived it, and again, we've seen this in so many big fights. Billy Joe Saunders has really not fought as the as the enemy in a situation like what he's going to be in, and I know it's an extreme situation, where when they strike up the mariachi band or they strike strike up the, the, the hip-hop music and Canelo starts to walk to the ring and 60,000, 65,000 get on their feet, that's going to be an intimidating thing. He can talk all he wants that that won't be an intimidating thing, but it will be. How does he deal with that psychologically? How is he going to go about trying to deal with that? With whatever Canelo does, the crowd is going to roar. What, what kind of obstacle is that? And, you know, his, his, fellish, uh, his, his fellow British fighter and uh, Callum Smith told him that, that it was just totally different fighting Canelo in this environment where a jab makes everyone roar but that's what that's what it is to have to fight somebody uh a superstar like that and speaking of which carl frost is in front of me when he fought george gross huh <laughs> Eighty thousand, he said so uh i'm literally uh, across the street from the man who has a record probably but eighty thousand. so yeah eighty thousand, seventy thousand. it uh it, it makes a it brings the hair on the back of your neck stand up every time you hear them, and it's in, in, in unison. It's kind of, yeah, I'm excited about it. Yeah, no doubt. All right, say one more for the fans out there that uh, if they're contemplating, they, they need to get this fight. They need to subscribe on DAZN and get this fight for Saturday. Undercard's going to be great, but to see Canelo Alvarez in this kind of environment, I mean, Sergio, no joke here, this is the biggest crowd for anything post-COVID-19 pandemic, bigger than any NFL game, bigger than the Super Bowl right now in terms of crowds. This is going to be some scene, and the fans need to go grab it on DAZN right now, right, to see it Saturday night. 
No, it's it's going to be great. And uh, Eddie Hearn, the promoter, is already uh, saying that you know this is this is what makes boxing so special. And people were eager to get out to do something big. And normally, to get that many people, you need a football game, and we're going to get it with a boxing event. So I I, uh, I recommend anybody and everybody to to get this fight because this man wants to make a statement against a two division world champion and and British fighter who's going to bring a lot of fans as well. So he's bringing a lot of fans across the pond as well. So it's going to be both. Mexican, American, British, and wild. Should be a lot of fun. Sergio, you are great to make time for me. Have a great call. Make sure that Grisham behaves. Try not to slug Chris Mannix at least more than once on uh, Saturday. Uh, have a great call of the fight. Canelo and Billy Joe Saunders, thank you for the time here on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. I do appreciate it. No problem. You got it. Indeed, have been enjoying the conversations with our guests, our analysts, in the form of David Payne earlier in the podcast from the boxingwriter.co.uk website over in the UK. Sergio Mora just with us there again from DAZN. And now senior writer, bigfightweekend.com. Marquise Johns, as always, hanging out with me on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Good to have you again. We've got lots of news of the week. We've got a Canelo third fight in the last five months to get to. Canelo against Billy Joe Saunders is the main event. AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. First of all, good to have you back on board. Tons to talk about, and it's been a lot of fun already with our guests, but now I got my man here to mix it up with. How you doing? Pretty good, TJ. Looking forward to the, the Canelo fighting this weekend on this network that Jerry Jones called DA Zone. Looking forward to it. I can't <laughs> believe that this there's man. So many, was- there's so many punchlines uh, <laughs> that we have there. Like he's used to calls about the Cowboys being in trouble from the DA's office. Maybe his <laughs> favorite golfer back on the PGA Tour was DA Wybring. That was really the guy's name. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, but yes, DA Zone. And as uh, what was it, our colleague Manuka Kakopian, who was on the podcast last week, said it's rather obvious that Jerry has never watched DAZN or DA Zone if he doesn't know okay, <laughs> whatever it takes. Um, again, the money is still green, by the way, and it's flowing yeah. like a river through this whole thing. So we'll get to that coming up. Uh, all right. So let's get to some news of the week. And we should say to the audience, we left the uh, the Big Fight Weekend podcast, uh, put it to bed put it out on Friday and we did not know the unfolding story in Puerto Rico, which has been the biggest story outside of the ring in boxing. And one of the biggest sports stories really in North America, certainly um, in, in terms of sports away from the field, away from the court, the ice rink or the ring. This is the biggest story, maybe even of 2021 right now in terms of Felix Verdejo, the lightweight fighter, top ranked fighter, top-ranked boxing uh, fighter who has now been arrested and charged with kidnapping and murder of his mistress, of his girlfriend, Marquise, in Puerto Rico. All of this unfolding last Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And so now Verdejo has been arrested, has been charged with all of this, and he is, uh, is facing, obviously, heinous charges and the potential death penalty. Wow. Give me your thoughts here on this podcast about this story, Marquise. TJ, when this broke on Friday after we recorded, Verdejo pretty much being a person of interest. As you know, TJ, watching enough law uh, procedures here in the States, where there's smoke, there's fire, and they always go after the significant other or the spouse first. Once Verdejo went there to first go around and said that he was was going to come back with his attorney, you could only know it was downhill from there. And it escalated quickly. 
The feds are involved now. They wrapped him up. He's, he's, he's facing capital charges. He's got pretty much like TJ. Usually when you're facing three charges and all three of them are, are with, with, with the outcome being the death penalty, you're it's not good. And, yeah. and, and this story, TJ, actually is pretty much transcended pretty much world news at this point. Like this was this overshadowed that uh, some some fat guys named Andy Louise and Chris Ariel fought past weekend. No, no, no one cares yeah. at this point because this happened. It's really insane. It was the biggest story last weekend in boxing and one of the biggest stories in sports. And again, we can't convey enough. He is a prominent fighter in Puerto Rico. He's mm-hmm. not the biggest name maybe in Puerto Rican boxing, but he's one of them. Uh, a 27-year-old had just lost in December in a surprising upset loss to the uh, to the Japanese fighter Nakatani um, yeah. in, in a in a fight that was a wild fight where Verdejo was winning, had knocked Nakatani down. He got up, he rallied, he knocked Verdejo down and stopped him in the ninth round and and beat him that night. And now comes these charges that he masterminded a plot to kidnap and kill his pregnant mistress. That's what this comes down to. Verdejo is mm-hmm. married. They were questioning, and he's married apparently with a child as well. They were questioning his wife. She confirmed that she knew about the relationship. Um, this is horrific stuff that he is behind the murder uh, here. And his boxing career, I've seen so much here in the last week or so where this story wasn't being covered or people are talking about his boxing career. Marquise, what planet are we on? I mean, the guy's boxing career is a distant, distant priority, if not done for good with these oh, charges. No. Yeah, TJ, the, the, the top rank who he was affiliated with uh, dropped in the middle of Saturday night during the pay-per-view of, of Louise Ariola, uh, a, a public statement saying, hey, uh, our condolences, we don't want to deal with this guy. He's done. And no, that's that's the end of this guy with boxing. Like At this point, no one cares. And it's funny, TJ, because he was actually – that loss he had to Nakatani is the difference between him pretty much going to jail right now and the possibility of him being the guy challenging Vasily Lomachenko back in his rebound on June 26. That's the difference what happened here. Wow. And it's, it, it's amazing to fall from grace with this TJ. But no, he was a big thing and not the most uh, prolific fighter, but he was one that was known, well known in Puerto Rico, pretty much had, has had a career pretty much at least the same like five or six years at this point now. And was still in was an not- Olympic fighter for Puerto Rico in the mm-hmm. Olympics back in uh, 2012, 12, right? Yeah. Nine years ago. And uh, again, 27 years of age. And we should not continue to go on and on about him without mentioning the victim's name. Keishala Rodriguez Ortiz is her name, 27 mm-hmm. years old. And this I'm a father of two girls. Uh, that are that are approaching the teenage years. This is your worst nightmare. Horrific stuff that you get a phone call or a notification or something like this. That something like this has gone on, and I guess we're going to learn more in the coming days, the coming weeks, the coming months. We already know a lot about about this, about him kidnapping the girl, about him trying to terminate her pregnancy, and then he decides to go ahead and kill her and dump her body off a bridge. This is hor- out of a horror movie, and it really apparently happened with a lightweight contender behind it. But we should we should at least be mentioning her name because it's awful for her family. I mean, it's heartbreaking, Marquise, to see that family last Sunday night that was outside of the, uh, the federal detention center where Verdejo turned himself in to the feds because, oh, by the way, they called him, as you know, Marquise, and for the audience, mm-hmm. they found the lawyer. They, they said to the lawyer, he's got one hour. 
He's got yeah. one hour to turn himself in or we're dragging him in on the charges that we have. So he turned himself in and the family was outside talking to the media. Um, you know, they had been pleading for her uh, to be found when she was missing. They're now devastated that she's dead. And they, they were pleading for justice for Keishala. And that's what that's what this has come down to. And this story, we cannot overstate it, has gripped Puerto Rico. Uh, just to give you an idea, they they are obviously a United States uh, territory. They're part of the province of the United States. So mm -hmm. they, they have a U.S. FBI and a U.S. attorney's office there. They are at the forefront of prosecuting this case. This story has been the lead story on their newscasts and on their newspapers and their website for going on seven days now. They had a former uh, political official, a former governor of Puerto Rico who had been the guy running Puerto Rico for about eight years, kind of like our kind of like our president, but not so much a president. He yeah. died last week. They were having his state funeral. That funeral and it and it being held was two notches below all the coverage of Felix Verdejo to give you an idea of how big mm. a story this is in Puerto Rico. So awful, awful stuff. Oof. And again, we'll we'll keep track of it because we have to because it's news um, yeah. involving him. But the boxing career is basically done. All right. So I've pontificated enough on that. Give me your thoughts on the fights in the ring real quick last week. Then I promise we're going to get to a little more news and then we'll get into fight analysis of Canelo and Saunders and the gambling angles. Our, our friends at sportsgamblingpodcast.com love it when we do that. We'll get into the gambling angles of this fight uh, coming up Saturday night, AT&T Stadium in a few moments. Let's go back to last week, though, where Andy Ruiz gets the decision win over 40-year-old Chris Ariola, who looked in great shape. They both were in much better shape. Uh -huh. Earlier in the day, Joseph Parker, victorious heavyweight division, also in a win over Derek Tesora. Uh, veteran heavyweights trying to uh, on the fringe of any contention for the heavyweight crown. Mm. All right, Marquise, give me your thoughts on the two heavyweight fights, one in Manchester, England, one in Carson, California last weekend. Go. Yeah, let me start with the one with the Manchester first. Uh, Parker uh, barely getting by Chisora. I think Chisora got robbed, TJ, but nonetheless, they gave Parker the nod on all of this. So he, he moves on in advance here. Uh, what happens from here with Parker at this point? Does he get Joe Joyce? Does he get uh, Alexander Usyk? And pretty much he's waiting in the line for uh, – uh, the, the whole WBO spectrum and whoever, if Anthony Joshua fights and or relinquishes that belt, uh, we'll have a clearer picture on all that going on. But essentially, he's still currently in, on number four in WBO, so he gets to, he gets to sit and wait and figure things out from there. The pay per view uh, out here uh, from Fox last weekend with Chris Ariola and Andy Luis. Uh, it was a great rebound fight for Andy Luis, but he looked rusty, TJ, and it showed because he got knocked down by this forty-year-old man who looked real good the first four rounds of this fight. And then the fifth round, he realized he was 40 years old and got, <laughs> had a hurt shoulder. And this is the second fight, TJ, in a row where something's happened poorly with Chris Ariola where he can stop. He couldn't throw punches anymore. Right. And that's what happened here. And pretty much Andy Ruiz beats him with a white points decision. But it, it brings like a bigger point, TJ. Everyone knew this going in. Every result on that pay-per-view that PBC put on last Saturday, everyone knew going in which only solidifies the point. If you didn't want to pay 50 bucks to watch this, don't pay 50 bucks to watch this. And, um, yeah. and we haven't heard TJ anything well, newswise at we, all about the interject, We questioned it being on pay-per-view in the first place uh -huh. with them trying to make some money. And it was the first time there'd been an outdoor crowd like that in California uh, at the dignity health sports complex. And they had about 3,500 people there. So they were trying to make some money, but you and I, 
put it out there, bash this thing. Why is it on pay-per-view? It's not going to have 200,000 buys. It's not going to have 150,000 buys. And your point is we're not ever going to know that number because they're embarrassed. They, they know it didn't have that much, right? Yeah, not only did they not have that much at all, TJ, uh, apparently there was better fights that were taking place in the stands during these fights <laughs> as opposed to anything else. But nonetheless, TJ, it's great to see people back in these crowds, whether it be for uh, felonious things or not. But it's great to see live crowds nonetheless at boxing events. Well, and and again, uh, Ruiz gets the win. First time in like virtually a year and a half that he had fought. And it was a lot like the Joshua fight where he seemed to fight better after he got knocked down. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was a good observation uh, I, Lennox Lewis is growing on me as the boxing analyst. I mean, he was previously on HBO. Yes. And I heard him, but he makes such great points on Fox, um, on the, on the PBC regular Fox shows on their pay-per-views, et cetera. And he brought up almost immediately because of what happened in the Joshua fight that Ruiz almost wakes up, snaps out of it and fights better after he gets hurt or gets knocked down. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. He started rocking Areola and fighting right back in the second round and the third round after the knockdown. Um, so it was interesting. Was it worth $50 on a pay-per-view? I, I don't think so. Um, on the undercard, I wrote about him earlier in the week, the six foot six uh, junior middleweight prospect, abnormally high, uh, abnormally tall fighter. Um, I, I should say uh, that it's just unusual to see somebody that tall, that that lanky arms. I mean, you know me, you've been around me. I'm tall with lanky arms. I'm certainly not 154 pounds to yeah. see Sebastian Fondora fight the other night uh, against veteran Jorge Cota uh, at six, six at 154 pounds with that leverage. It's curious. It's big time punching power. That, that was the fun fight. I think of the weekend was to watch him and he got hit some in that fight. And I think it's a real concern for him. Uh, what were your thoughts watching Fondura? Yes, he got his knockout, but what, what were your thoughts watching him on the undercard? I'm just looking forward to seeing TJ how we're going to have Fondura facing uh, more elite competition. It, it was he's a fun guy to watch only because he likes to engage inside, and it's so weird seeing a guy that tall and that lanky not just want to sit and jab people to death. No, the normal process would be if you have that if you have that much of an advantage, you're not going to come near me. No, right. he, he's, he, he embraces it. They were pretty much, Tim and Cota were toe-to-toe, -to -toe, pretty much trading bombs for the most part for four rounds. Did it concern you how many punches Fondora took? Because, I mean, there were a couple of times where he took two or three big shots. And I wrote this in the piece on BigFightWeekend.com. If he's fighting a better caliber, harder-punching world-class fighter, he gets decked or knocked out. You got to straighten some of that out. And maybe, as you said, use your reach, get, get some distance again, back to Lennox Lewis. He pointed out as a, as a guy that was a large heavyweight with a long reach, sometimes take a step back, take half a step or a step back. And the other guy can't get to you because of your reach. You make yourself almost smaller and more vulnerable smaller just in the fighting sense because you get closer to the guy and let him hit you. And I saw a lot of that and that concerned me with Fondora. What about you? Same thing, TJ, and it's weird because the one thing we use if you're if you're the taller and the lankier person, the goal is to use your reach. Otherwise, you have no leverage. And him having to fight on the inside against Coda, who I think is actually my size, mind you, <laughs> it's really it's really interesting, TJ. Because like I'm if I was next to Fundora right now, I'm not hitting this man whatsoever. Right. But apparently, Coda was able to, and it made for a fun fight on television. I don't know if at some point he's going to work on his defense with that, but he's fun to watch, TJ. He's actually, a big puncher. He's, he's got a big, big he's got big left hook, big left uppercut, left-handed guy. Uh, and the and the question is, does he remain at 154 
because again, there's 154 unific 154 pound unification world junior middleweight unification uh, undisputed bout coming with Jermel Charlo and Brian Castaño. I, I don't know if Sebastian Fundora can get in front of Jermel Charlo if he wins anytime soon. Is it better for him to put a few more pounds on? He's only 23 years old and go fight at middleweight. Maybe they don't want him there. I don't know how hard it is for him to make 154 at six foot six. But again, we're talking a lot about him because I thought that was the most fun, most impressive, noteworthy fight of last weekend. I just, yeah, I, I believe that. No, no, it was the most interesting thing on, uh, on that whole pay-per-view card personally. And I think TJ, he was mentioning because he came in at the weigh-in at 152 and a half. So he can still make whatever weight he wants, apparently, at this, at this state, state and juncture, which to me is absolutely ridiculous. It's crazy. He, he was joking media-wise. Uh, well, he, he, he said it jokingly. I think he was serious that he could still make welterweight at 147, mind you. So I don't know how. I don't know about that. I don't know about that either. But the one thing, TJ, is that with 154, uh, PBC has another log jam. And this fight, strangely enough, was one of those weird WBA title liminaires. Take that for what it's worth. But <laughs> what, that, what that does, it stacks him in the placement somewhere along the lines where he'll fight uh, more likely someone like, a, like a Erickson Luba, Lubin, not Luba, Lubin, or uh, – well, I wasn't going to say Aries Landy Laura, but Laura moved up to be Cornflake. So maybe not back down. But someone along those lines at 154, it's, they'll, they'll, give, they'll give him at, at PBC at least another one of these, one of these uh, top 25 guys that they have. Maybe it's super can... bad. Maybe it's Tony Harrison. That's another one. Know. I don't know. I, I don't know uh, what they would do with Fundora. Again, that's the voice of Marquise John, senior writer, bigfightweekend.com. TJ Reeves with you as we wind it down on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. I promise we're getting to Canelo and Billy Joe Saunders talk and conversation in a couple of more moments. Uh, more news of the week on the day that we are recording this, on the evening that we are recording this, they have held the uh, announcement uh, press conference at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami about four hours to the south of where Marquise and I are in the Tampa Bay area in Florida for Floyd Mayweather, Logan Paul coming on June the 6th on pay-per-view, speaking of pay-per-view on Showtime. Two interesting things. We'll get to the ruckus, the WWE, the pro wrestling style events uh, that were going on after the actual presser uh, in a moment. But the first thing is, is the news coming out that Triller may be moving their June 5th show, the Teofimo Lopez, George Cambosis uh, proposed uh, lightweight title fight June 5th, also in Miami, is apparently moving off of that date. Marquise, elaborate more. Absolutely, TJ. I wrote for it at Big Fight Weekend. Yeah, t pretty much the, the Teofimo Lopez, George Cambosis Jr. up. up. The uh, IBF mandatory bout that was supposed to take place the day before at, at Marlins Park up. It's not going to happen, TJ, because as you know, Floyd Mayweather's in town. And when Floyd's in town, you get out. And that's pretty much just what's <laughs> happening here with this, this, this thriller fight card. Like, you don't, we, I have never seen a promotion eat, dissolve so fast on a fight card that was supposed to happen the same weekend as Floyd Mayweather, by the way. It's, it's, it's scary, predictable, what it TJ. To you? What does it say to you that, because I've got my opinion, but I want yours first, that they saw this coming and then decided, uh, we're gonna we're gonna abort the June fifth Saturday night date because Floyd's fighting in the same town the next night. What yeah. does it say to you? It says to me, TJ, that uh, there's either some sort of weird financial backing issue here, or they are fearing that they don't have enough money to recoup what they've paid for this very expensive TJ IBF mandatory contest that they paid for. Uh, and it's really strange. It's strange TJ, that they're moving it back because essentially it's a weird thing where. It's a weird counter move because now, TJ, at this point, we have, as of this podcast, three pay-per-views in June. 
this Tiafimo Lopez Already. one, right? This 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 there's the Devontae Tank Davis at the end of the month in Atlanta, and this Floyd uh, Logan Paul shenanigans. So the money's going to run out from one of these cards. That they're they're playing it safe, thinking that they can get put it put this on June nineteenth, the week before Javante. They can get any last change they can before Javante rolls in. But they realized what Floyd because coming the in the fear same was that if the Mayweather Logan Paul pay per view is a fifty nine ninety five sixty nine ninety five pay per view, that everybody's going to choose to wait and pay for that and not pay for the Triller pay per view mm-hmm. of Teofimo and Cambosis. That's what you're hinting at and and putting out there. Yeah. But I, I you know, uh, again, I, I don't know um, in, in terms of moving it back two weeks, if it's going to make that much of a difference anyway, on how many people buy it or not. My, my thing is this looks like a panic move. And, and by the way, you wrote about earlier in the week that uh, the, the Triller uh, amnesty offer that they're making to everybody that pirated the pay-per-view oh, supposedly, yes. Which again, they're threatening to go after people individually that uh, that didn't pay for the pay per view, and we're letting everybody know on social media, et cetera, that they didn't pay for the pay per view. That almost looks like a panic move too. Like you don't really have the pay per view numbers and audience for the Jake Paul Ben Askren pay per view that you were saying that you had, because now you're like hocus pocus going after people across the board on the internet to try to get them to pay you fifty dollars. Uh, that they should have paid for the fight. Go ahead, Marcus. Not, not even that. They're, they're going after people they don't even know they assumed stole, pirated, or bootlegged this fight. Good, good luck with that. We'll see, yeah. see, 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 who, see who's willing to donate 50 bucks. Does, because- it, does it smack <laughs> of desperation to you right now, that and the fact that they've now moved? Because, again, they're on the hook for a $6 million purse, $3.5 million of which is going to go to Lopez. Uh, two and a half million to Cambosis, by the way, which is tremendous astronomical mm-hmm. money for a mandatory title defense out of whack, completely out of whack in the normal circumstances, especially for the lower weight fighters. That's what they're on the hook for, for having paid for this. So they stand again, the the six million dollars that they're putting out there is like more than three times the money that they put out for the last fight card for the Jake Paul Ben Askren entire fight card more than three times just for this fight, just for Lopez and Cambosis. So it says to me, they're kind of panicking right now on trying to find the date. Can we recoup 50% of our money? Can we recoup 60% of our money? Or are we just going to take a bath on this? Yeah, TJ, this, 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 this does come off looking like they're going to go through bankruptcy court trying to get some of these, these pennies on the dollar off this pay-per-view that they overpaid for. And it's interesting, TJ, at the back, back point as well, if they, if they move this to the 19th, just be like 20,000 fight cards on the 19th, TJ. I think there's like six already listed. It's ridiculous. So we'll, we'll see how, because boxing loves boxing itself to, you know, counter-programming itself to death. Well, as you so. mentioned, the Davis, the Gervonta Davis pay-per-view is set through Showtime, uh-huh. and that is for the next weekend in June, June the 26th in Atlanta with Mario Barrios. Uh-huh. You mentioned the June the 19th. So here's what else you have. You have the DAZN show, the rescheduled Jaime Munguia, uh, Golden Boy, main event, El Paso, Texas, non-title fight, 12-rounder uh, in the middleweight division. That went on DAZN. Showtime has got uh-huh. Jamal Charlo fighting on Showtime for the WBC middleweight championship. Uh, uh-huh. Juan Macias Montiel is the yeah. opponent. And also on ESPN, that's the Shakur Stevenson-Jeremiah-Nakathela fight 
uh, for the WBO interim junior lightweight title. That one in Las Vegas with some fans on ESPN. So those three fight cards already exist on the 19th, to your point. If Triller is trying to do this on pay-per-view, they've got big-time competition three different ways from the boxing fans. Yeah, TJ, and you, you, now you just mentioned those matchups, actually. Uh, I, I'll give Triller credit. Their matchup isn't the worst one as, as, as a headliner, but it's the idea of putting it behind a paywall is the bigger issue now. So now you, you're, if, you're, if you're paying for a fight that you can probably see something of equal or better value on the zone or just ESPN, then why would you fork over your money for this? And, and by the way, that is also, you're, you're waiting with bated, bated breath, the junior, uh, the, uh, I'm sorry, the June 19th, Julio Cesar Chavez Sr., Hector Camacho Jr., six-round exhibition, and also Chavez Jr., the debacle, the clown, son of the legend, is also fighting on that card, and that is uh, through Fight TV and Integrated Sports in Mexico. That is also on Saturday night, June 19th. So Chavez Sr. is getting into the whole Legends exhibition thing, fighting the the late Hector Camacho's son, Hector Camacho Jr., and that's also on June nineteenth. So stay away from that date. It looks like if you're yeah, that that fight that fight is a black hole, TJ. And I forgot that Junior uh, J uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Junior TJ, as you well know, is uh, taking on the uh, professional boxing debut of former UFC champion Anderson Silva. So yeah, they, even even Triller can't avoid the circus they started as well. <laughs> All right, uh, we mentioned circuses again. A few more moments. I promise we're getting to Canelo and Saunders one more time with Marquise and his insight. Uh, Floyd Mayweather, Logan Paul announced that June 6 pay-per-view. Uh, much shenanigans, as you like to say. Much brouhaha. Uh, WWE promo-esque after everything is over where uh, much the same way that Jake Paul went up to the to the UFC fighter at the Jacksonville event and was mm-hmm. trying to stir it up with him for the cameras, for all the viral videos on the internet. He did the same thing with Floyd Mayweather on Thursday afternoon. And there are dozens of cameras, still photography, video around, phones around, while he started trouble and took the hat off Mayweather's head. Um, and then, oh, just, just happened to be that there's eight defensive linemen, Andre the Giant-looking security guards all around to, to muscle these guys and keep them off of each other. The, the whole thing smacked of orchestrated wrestling promo to me. It got him a ton of attention on the internet on the day and the night that we're taping here for the pay-per-view. All right, there's my piece on this. They did a great job of selling it, uh, the Paul brothers and Floyd Mayweather of selling the pay-per-view. TJ, they, they sold this mess, but we got we got, we have to stop using recycled WWE storylines from 1993, which involved uh, the Repo Man <laughs> stealing the Macho Man Randy Savage's hat, TJ. I'm sorry. We, <laughs> we got to do a lot better than this. I'm... I, I'm Golly, seriously. Yeah, but yeah, Jake Paul took the hat right off of Floyd's head, and you immediately thought Repo Man and the late Macho Man Randy Savage. That's what I love about you uh, so, here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast, Marquise John. So, TJ, it's so bad. But this is this is what Floyd does. Brett, Floyd's bringing but the chaos. But you agree team. with me. This this was, I mean, my buddy, and I love him for all of his insight, and we love the the uh, the guys, uh, Deshaun Tate of Tate's Take, the basketball podcast. His brother is Antoine Williams, who we have on this show from greatest of all time boxing promotions. Deshaun is sending me text messages, calling me. Have you seen the Floyd Mayweather stuff with Jake Paul? Have you seen the brawl? Have you seen? He goes, I can't believe it. I said, bro, 
You are being sucked in. Deshaun, you're being sucked in. This is a sucker play here to get the people to buy the pay-per-view. They're in on it together. They wanted to make this look good like the wrestling stuff, like the stage wrestling promos. That's why the security guys are all around keeping them from th- – I mean, if if this had been legit, Floyd would have cold-cocked him, would have punched him outside the ring for no money, and he's probably facing assault charges if he did. This was to hype – the, the June 6th pay-per-view, mm-hmm. they're all wrestling. They're all cursing at each other. They're all pointing at each other. The videos are going everywhere. 1,000% planned and concocted. That is my story. That was my message to Deshaun. It's my message to the Big Fight Weekend audience. Don't fall for the okie doke here. TJ, That's what they were doing. TJ, not only are they falling for it, they're falling for it. Hook, line, Hoover, vacuum, and sinker. And, and, I, and, I, and I implore anybody to watch this video back, by the way. Brandon's helping the guy out of Miami. I think he does morning radio down there. He was, he, he was the last guy to ask Floyd Mayweather a question. And you can see on his camera that of him asking the question when Floyd walks off. You see Leonard Ellerby in the background, and it looks like, honestly, TJ at movie cue because you see his bald head and you see him smiling. And then all of a sudden you see Jake Paul run around taking this man's hat. And TJ, am I to believe that these two rich people are, are, are squabbling over what looked like Floyd was wearing a very three for 15 uh, tours, <laughs> welcome to Miami, t- white hat. <laughs> really? That, that's, that's what we're selling this. It wasn't even for? a Dolphins hat. It wasn't even a money team hat. I don't, who knows what, what the hat was. Wasn't even a Marlins hat, TJ. It looked like it's just a simple like, hey. And, and I love after all the stuff where Logan Paul comes running in in the mass of bodies and the people kit taking videos, trying to jump in and separate everybody and everybody's screaming and cursing. And so later on, they calm things down. They're walking off with Logan Paul one direction. They're walking off with Jake Paul in another direction. None of this is staged, of course. Walking no, off never. with Floyd uh, with his... And anyway, the cameras that are around Logan, they're like, what happened? He said, my brother just wanted to get a souvenir for his collection. That was his answer. My brother wanted to get a souvenir hat for his collection. Okay, Uh, this is why they're failed actors, by the way, as YouTube stars as well. We've now spent like five minutes talking about this. But again, the videos have gone everywhere of this brouhaha don't fall for the fact that that was real. It is part of selling the pay-per-view. I mean, Showtime put the uh, Showtime boxing, put it out on social media like six different ways immediately. Don't tell me they weren't ready uh, yeah. for this to promote the pay-per-view. Their yeah, job is you, to but, sell the pay-per-view. In fact, you, let's start there. Like, if this was really organic and authentic and these two guys really hated each other, why did Showtime have literally the, the angle behind Floyd, the angle above Paul? the angle behind the five security guards. Like, come on. <laughs> Next time you get Spielberg, pay the money, help him, you'll cut. You know, it's promo- the, it, 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 and I said this to Deshaun. I said, it's like the old days of, of local or regional professional wrestling that was yeah. on tape, not the Vince McMahon live product that's now on that you see for two or three hours, but the taped one hour Saturday morning wrestling where they would get to the big match, they get to the big brawl, and suddenly they're brawling outside the ring, they're brawling outside into the concourse, they're brawling outside into the parking lot with the cars, and the credits are rolling. And the we're out of time! We are, we're out of time, everybody! <laughs> we'll see you next week with the credits rolling. Like, none of it's planned. None of it's orchestrated or timed that way because there's a producer going 10, 5, 4, while they're going, oh, they're still fighting in the parking. It was the same thing here. 
It was the same. And by the way, more than one person has pointed out there was a live YouTube feed through Showtime and through Mayweather Promotions, et cetera, on YouTube that faded to black right as the brouhaha started, right after the press conference, like a cliffhanger. Now, everybody else had a camera around it and could post it up on the internet, which everybody did on social media, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, all of that. But you're, you're telling me, just like the pro wrestling on Floyd, Logan Paul, Jake Paul, it's not, it's not as bad as rolling the credits. We'll see you next week. We're out of time, everybody. We'll see you next week on, uh, on the wrestling. Uh, but, but they just went to black. They ended it right as the brouhaha was about to start. What a coincidence that it yeah. wasn't staged and it wasn't set up. Come on. To sell TJ, the pay-per-view. If- yeah, TJ. If, if this wasn't if if this wasn't so produced, then why is it so produced? Is all I could tell you about this. And the one thing that I thought was interesting about that as well was that video because that the Mayweather feed had did, did this weird Sopranos thing where they they started the brouhaha and then it faded to black, which only guarantees me TJ one thing: Showtime's going to replay this in the pre the pre post at course. least at nauseum. So of course the- they'll be showing it. They already have been showing it on their social media. All right, enough about that. Yeah, let's, let's yeah. get to Canelo Alvarez, Billy Joe Saunders. Full disclosure, you and I already talked some about this fight uh, on previous other outlets, including the Three Dog Thursday podcast. I realize it's a different audience here. Big Fight Weekend, bigfightweekend.com website, Big Fight Weekend podcast. All right, I asked Sergio Mora the question. I'm going to ask you the same question. Billy Joe Uh Saunders is about a five and a half to one underdog. If he is going to hang in, what is your opinion on how and why he hangs in with Canelo? Go ahead, Marquise. He walks into this ring, TJ, with the steel chair, and he knocks out Eddie Reynoso first, and he knocks out Canelo <laughs> second. Because this, um, I'm not saying back, the deck back the, to the, the wrestling. Deck, I'm not saying the deck is stacked against Billy Joe Saunders, but it, he's just not the guy that, at this juncture, based on game tape and anything that everyone's seen beforehand, is going to all of a sudden arise to the level of competition facing the guy, the guy that everyone wants to face, and Canelo Alvarez, and. The last few guys that uh, Billy Joe Saunders has, he has shown that he hasn't been able to put guys away. He couldn't teach it. He, this is a man that spent went 12 rounds his last go round with Martin Murray, who was 39 uh, at former, former champion, pretty much on his way out already on the golf course playing here. So it's one of those kind of deals, TJ, where I don't think Saunders has enough of power to keep Canelo off of him. And I think Canelo is going to do just enough to either make this a very early night for us or TJ. I think this fight plays out literally to a T like the fight he had against Daniel Jacobs, even the lead up to this fight going into it kind of plays a little bit the same of it. You know, they had like the weird pull apart thing where Mario Lopez make this weird shock face that mean you saw at the restaurant. And then we had, uh, we had before that Billy Joe Saunders all week complaining about ring sizes, which doesn't involve, you know, jewelry right. stores and stuff. It's like, it's just, well, Sergio said to us, look, you, you have the smaller ring cause you want more action. He said yeah. that on an 18 by 18, I guess they're going to increase it a little bit. Uh, I mean, Billy Joe Saunders, if he got his way again, would want a a 38 by 38 ring to be able to run around in and try to run away from Canelo. But that's not going to happen in uh, in this scenario. Under over is 10 and a half rounds. I thought it was interesting that Canelo's confidant, his trainer, Eddie Reynoso, predicted a sixth round knockout, although Eddie qualified it and said sixth round or 10th round. I haven't heard that before. That, he, that your two round predictions are four rounds apart, either the sixth or the 10th round. But he did yeah. say he thought Canelo would get him in six rounds. Do you think Alvarez stomps on the gas and goes for a knockout around the fourth, fifth, sixth round, or maybe even earlier? 
No, TJ, because I've actually I'm 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 sitting on this this theory now where I think TJ because the Billy Joe Stars want this bigger ring so he could run around. It's going to run around for twelve rounds. This this is going to play out pretty much like the Daniel Jacobs Canelo fight, the Callum Smith Canelo fight, where it's a lot of that going on, where Canelo jumps on this guy early and then and then Saunders runs and then we'll see if he can try to. But steal I don't, I don't think he can. I don't think he can run from him for very long. He's going to have to tactically use the jab, use the combinations, take a little risk of throwing some punches and getting countered. Otherwise, Canelo is going to track him down corner him he's too good he's too savvy you're not just going to be able to stay away from him for 36 minutes that ain't happening i don't see it saturday night no it's not realistic on on billy joe's part but i think it's the only way he has a shot actually of doing this because i don't think he i don't think he's going to engage tj i just really don't i just really think yeah, I'm just looking forward to hearing the record crowd of all of this that Jerry rolled up. Boo. Well, we these know, guys yeah, the- we know this. I don't think there's yeah. going to be much booing. Anything Canelo does, they're going to be roaring. And Sergio yeah. was just talking about that on this podcast that he, uh, he was likening it to Anthony Joshua at Wembley stadium for the fight that they did with 70,000 plus there. Uh-huh. It's the same kind of thing here. Whatever Canelo does, he throws a jab. Even if he misses a punch, they're going to roar and yeah. Saunders better be ready for that. And uh, and we'll see how he deals with that. So you do not think knockout before the under over the ten and a half. If for no, our friends at sportsgamblingpodcast.com, you do not like the under ten and a half rounds in this fight. No, I don't want this one, TJ. As, as bad as I think Billy Joe Saunders is, he's not Anvil Yidrum, so he's not going to be just completely just there to show up. It is, it's, this, this is going to take a while, and I think that that well is all 36 minutes. All right, so he's 30-0, and 0, a biggest fight of his career, world-class stage, biggest payday of his career, Canelo fighting for the third time in five months, good for the frequency. Undercard, real quick, before we get out of here, a name or two, please? What do you like? Yes, Yes, DJ. Uh, uh, former Olymp- uh, U.S. standout, uh, 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 Keyshawn Davis is on this undercard. He's one to keep an eye out uh, to and going for his third win in a row. Uh, also, the co-main of this fight, TJ, Elwin Soto, who won this WBO uh, World Flyweight title a while back, pretty much because the referee stopped the fight against, I want to say it was uh, Acosta a while back, it, inadvertently. But he's, he's, he's one of those little, little guys that throws, TJ, and he's in a fun one, too. Uh, that's the only thing of note on this undercard, TJ. Also, as well, uh, Mark Castro, who's been a Canelo undercard mainstay at this point, is also an action as well. And Keyshawn Davis, again, third pro fight. He fought on the Canelo February show as well um, in his debut mm-hmm. and then went over to England and fought on a matchroom show and scored a knockout. And so now he will fight a six-round lightweight bout. Uh, so we're interested to watch the former U.S. Olympian who has turned pro Keyshawn Davis on the undercard of Canelo and Saunders. I can't wait for this one coming up on Saturday night. Final thought here from you as we wrap it up and get ready for that bout. Looking forward to TJ to seeing uh, uh, when Canelo wins. It's not a matter of if, but a matter of when at this point. Does he go after Caleb Plant? He hinted today, and everyone's running with this again, TJ. You may have heard this already. He was interested in facing Golovkin for the third time. I mean, we've but, heard this story before. But he said Golovkin's got to move up to 168. He won't go back down to 160. If Golovkin wants to move up to 168, he'd consider it. But he also said, after I unify, undisputed, get all the belts. Yeah. So that may be 1-800-Caleb-Plant in September, which Plant was originally hoping to be the Canelo opponent for his return back in December, and it yeah. didn't happen. Plant has fought since then and won and injured one of his hands. He hopefully heals up, and maybe he's the September opponent if Canelo is impressive. And again, we should not disregard the unknowns because boxing is all about the unexpected and the unknown. If Canelo hurts his hand, if Canelo gets cut, which can happen, it happened to Tyson Fury. 
in yes. the uh, in the fight with Otto Valine. Valine. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can have a cut. You can have something happen here that can be a variable. Let's see if there are some variables in this. But we believe Canelo's going to win, win impressively, and probably be ready to fight again in September. We'll see if that's Caleb Plant for the undisputed 168-pound championships, right? I think so, TJ. But I will admit, TJ, speaking of the unknown, do you know how parallel and bizarrely much of a, a universal boxing upheaval it would be if we were to say here at the end on Saturday night, your new unified super middleweight champion, Billy Joe Saunders. I don't think no one is ready for any of that. <laughs> well, certainly, we talked to Andy Ruiz earlier in our conversation, you and I, and he stunned everybody with what he did to Anthony Joshua. But the difference is big puncher, good punch, yes. big punch. Uh, again, you could talk about Buster Douglas, Mike Tyson. Buster Douglas had a punch. punch. Buster Douglas was bombing Mike Tyson with right hands from the beginning of that fight. Billy Joe Saunders does not have a big punch. No. So that's. That's to his detriment on being able. Caleb Plant has a pretty big punch. David Benavides in this division has a big. Callum Smith has a bigger punch than what Billy Joe Saunders has shown. And Callum Smith couldn't hit and hurt Canelo Alvarez for 12 rounds. He got dominated. So good luck to Billy Joe Saunders without the big punch while we're uh, breaking all this down. Marquise, great stuff. Uh, Again, Week Sauce Radio is where you find him. Enjoy the fights. We'll be writing about it all weekend. Preview mode, recap mode, all of it on the website, right? Absolutely, TJ. Bigfightweekend.com, your source for all things boxing news, past, present, future. We'll be keeping up with this uh, fight card this weekend. It's the the biggest game in town. Got to keep an eye on this one. See where Canelo goes from here. See if anything shakes out. See if there's any upsets for once on on a local domestic match from card in the U.S. because that hasn't happened in God knows how long. What an atmosphere. We're anticipating this atmosphere of 65,000 plus. Again, the indoor record is 63,000 in the Superdome for Ali Spinks, the rematch, 1978. That's the largest indoor crowd at a boxing event in the Louisiana Superdome. This is indoors, AT&T Stadium. They're looking beyond 63,000, 65,000, maybe more. It will be nuts. And so we're anxious to see all of that unfold. Uh, For now, we are good. Marquise, thank you. Keep rocking along. We appreciate it. Thanks so much, DJ. Thanks also to David Payne, the boxing writer, boxingwriter.co.uk. And also Sergio Mora, the Latin snake of DAZN with us as well. Subscribe to this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, And again, the sportsgamblingpodcast.com does a great job helping promote us. We'll see what happens again on this one with Canelo. Canelo Alvarez, a seven and a half or seven to one favorite to get the win in the 168-pound title fight Saturday night. We'll see where they go from there. Keep reading the website, bigfightweekend.com. Follow us at Big Fight Weekend on Twitter. Find the Big Fight Weekend Facebook page. Like us and follow us there for all the info, for all the stories, uh, etc. cetera. Uh, again, we can't encourage that enough. For now, I'm TJ Reeves. Enjoy Canelo and Billy Joe Saunders. We're back next week on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Bye.